Hello, and welcome to Season 3, Episode 3 of Let Creativity Podcast. This is your host, Alicia K. Hurst. Today's guest is Rachel Kling, K-L-I-N-G. She is a therapist and a ekidoko, author, writer, and storyteller. She wrote a book called My Walk on the Aikido Path, A Healing Journey of Self-Discovery, and that is exactly what she talks about in this episode, how she suffered from mental illness and psychosis and how she ultimately started healing from it using Aikido. It's a wonderful story, and I was really struck by her um, honesty and just her strength as a human being uh, that everything she overcame and uh, worked through is just amazing. So without further ado, please welcome Rachel Kling. Okay, well, welcome to a new episode of Let Creativity. Our guest today is Rachel Kling, an author of a book that is about to be released called My Walk on the Aikido Path, A Healing Journey of Self-Healing. I'm sorry. (laughs) Healing Journey of Self-Discovery. Self-Discovery. Thank you. I was having trouble reading my own writing. Um, And we will, of course, get to that book but before we do as usual I'd love to hear the stories that lead up to um, where a person uh, ends up creatively so would you mind giving us a snapshot of that Um, well I can start from the beginning if you like sure yeah okay so I grew up in a very odd circumstance um, a kind of a very sort of holdover from American communist tradition was this little organization in an all black neighborhood in East New York, which used to be a very left-wing neighborhood. And they sort of, um, you know, the eighties kind of crept up and they were still there. And I was sort of the child of this organization. And um, it was a very strange upbringing for that reason. It was kind of a little communal sort of upbringing. And uh, there was trauma at home which plays a role in the book and um, physical abuse at home and a difficult experience at school, a lot of bullying. Hmm. Um, And then writing has always been a part of my life. It's just something I always did from the beginning. I can't remember not writing. I wrote letters. My letters were always kind of colorful and creative. Um, You know, high school had the usual angst and um, college was busy. I was very active. I was a dancer and I was in the dance company and a choreographer. Oh, cool. Uh, uh, I was active politically, no surprise there. Um, And then I went to Columbia University for a master's degree in creative writing. So at some point you were like, you were focused on dancing and then you you decided to go to the Yes, so that was an interesting story because I was doing both at the same time. I was studying writing and I was in, I was studying writing and dance at the same time. I was an English and dance major together. And I was really torn at the end of my college time of what to do. But the press, the professor, the person who was mentoring me told me to go to um, Columbia to get my, 
creative writing degree. So that's what I did. But I wasn't convinced it was right for me because I wasn't doing well. I was having, because this is the story kind of of a mental breakdown. Oh. So I wasn't doing well. Um, and I didn't really know what to do. I, I was kind of at sixes and sevens. I was nervous. I didn't know my own mind. I was confused. And so I did what this person thought was the right thing to do. I respected them a great deal. Um, they invested a lot in me. And I figured if they said I should do this, then I should do it. So it gets messy from there. I went to creative writing school at Columbia and I didn't get any work done. I had a breakdown. So I um, just kind of, my mind started to just go and I couldn't think, I couldn't do anything. I would just wander the streets. Um, I didn't know what was happening to me. My family didn't know what was happening to me. Finally, my father came down from upstate New York where he worked to see what was going on with me. Mm -hmm. um, and I really, really had a psychotic break. Like I set my hair on fire and I just did a lot of things that didn't make sense just because I, I, I was so disorganized. Oh, that's and then I, super tough. Yeah. I mean, I, I'd imagine it's scary too to not really know what's going on. Yeah, so it was, it was a pretty scary time. That's a good word to describe it. It was a pretty scary time. Um, it was also just really bizarre. You just kind of don't know what's happening, living in a different reality. But it was, yeah, I was scared. I was overwhelmed. I didn't know what was happening to me. I couldn't, my brain didn't make sense. I couldn't think. And so I was doing all these strange things that didn't make sense because I was just trying to kind of exist mm -hmm. in this really bizarre way. And all of this goes into the book, the, descript the description of the breakdown. So then I am um, actually telling the story of my book right now. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so no surprises, but the way it's told is what matters. So then I, um, I was in the hospital for about 10 weeks and my father came and got me and we went up to his home to sort of convalesce and finish my master's thesis because I managed schoolwork. Wow. The first year, the second year, I just took a bunch of incompletes. But I, I finished my thesis up at my father's house and then I tried a number of different things. I tried teaching and I tried, um, what else did I try? I, well, the, I'll move on to that. So I tried teaching and then for some reason that I'll never understand, I tried physical therapy school, which is a science-based um, discipline and practical discipline. And it's about attention to detail and angles and um, math and not related to anything I knew anything about or was any good at. But I had this bizarre idea that my dance background fit me for physical therapy. Huh. Um, it was totally off the mark. Was it more science than you wanted or what was- It was all science. Yeah. It was all science. And then it was just to how things fit together. And it was, you know, it's a lot of, um, manip you know, manipulating bones and just a lot of attention to detail. Mm. A lot of attention to detail, a lot of memorization, 90% science, 
I mean, it's a scientific discipline. It kind of combines art and science, sort of. Yeah. But I had no science in me at all. I certainly didn't have it in me to pay attention to detail. Even if I, when I'm at my best, I, I'm doing really well now. And I still, that's not my thing really very well. Mm-hmm. Um, but so I started to, and the people in that program were really mean. They were very competitive. Oh. They, um, they were kind of, I was the least proficient in the room. And so, they, you know, they kind of, one of, it was one of those situations where I was holding the class back. And so I became, a, I became a target for these um, adults, you know, then, so I got bullied in graduate school as well as my uh, goodness, elementary school. I'm glad you and bring I, that up though, because I don't think people realize that you can get bullied as an adult. In- yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. They were, they were awful. And this is all in the book too. And then it turned out that I went to my professor, Leslie Russick, who is a wonderful person I'm still very close to. Turned out she was an Aikido instructor. Hmm. And she said to me, well, I hear you're having a hard time. I see you're having a hard time. I'm not 100% sure that physical therapy is the right place for you, but I think that you should come to my Aikido class. And um, my whole life changed. So Aikido became basically what I did. Um, and I learned, I learned confidence and I learned about connectedness and um, about how we're all connected. And I developed a sense of self, I made friends and it became really my life. Um, and it became really how I learned about the human condition, about, about how, we, how I learned about um, our spiritual aspirations as a human, as human beings, how we're connected as human beings, because that's what Aikido is all about. It's about connection and compassion. And um, basically for those who don't know, Aikido is a nonviolent martial art and it's important you work in pairs and it's about taking a conflict so there is an aggressor. You take this this person's aggressive energy and you redirect it so that um, and neutralize it so that you take what began as a conflict and turn it into a relationship of harmony and compassion and you give the person the opportunity to choose um, connection over contention. Mm-hmm. which is super powerful and really yeah. needed in all areas of life <laughs> yeah so that's part of what I'm hoping my book will do is raise awareness about Aikido it's, we need a lot of young people in Aikido the, the median age keeps rising oh. <laughs> <laughs> and what a beautiful um, way to express both of your passions with the body and movement and writing Exactly, exactly. And that's, that is what happened is that my passion to move got found expression in Aikido. And, um, and basically my passion to, to live found expression in Aikido. Aikido saved my life. Aikido helped me expand as a person. It helped me get to know myself. Um, the book is very much about how Aikido got to help me get to know myself not only get to know myself but know my potential as a human being and how it helped me to manifest that potential as a human being and Aikido's um the essence of Aikido being about helping all of us manifest our potential from a place of peace Aikido means way of harmony oh okay that's the Japanese um 
translation, Way of Harmony. And it's, a, it's an art of peace it's, and it's a martial art and it's an art of peace where we come together and we try to unify. And every moment that we're on the mat training is a moment where we're trying to really become one with our partner while maintaining our own integrity and um, independence. So it's, it's pretty powerful because you're maintaining your independence, you're maintaining your identity, but you're also realizing that you're not separate from many other human beings. So it's teaching us that we're all, we're all connected. We all want the same things. We all need the same things. And these are the lessons of Aikido. And lesson of Aikido is really love. The lesson of Aikido is that we're all one family. And I bet how healing that could be too, especially for someone that has been through physical trauma. Uh, right. I was wondering if you, um, because I am aware of body movement therapy as well, where moving in certain ways can heal past traumas is also. Right. Did any of that come into play with Aikido for you? Well, what happens in Aikido is very interesting. Um, I talk about my very first exam in the book in detail. And what happens is as you do the movement in Aikido, your mind starts to clear. Mm. And that becomes a healing experience. So my mind was very disorganized. That's what the trauma did to me. It really shut me down. It really made me kind of unable to think. It was amazing. It was a miracle the way I, I was able to manage the way I did as a student and as a college um, student. It, it was kind of a, an external thing. It was a, a survival sort of mechanism. Get through, get through, get A's. And, um, but I was really unhappy and very disorganized inside. And I still am a little bit, but much better. And Aikido helps me with that. As you learn to execute the movements, you start to become one with yourself. You're, oh. Right? You start to clear your mind. You start to recognize, okay, so there's a, you start to become one with other people. So there are two basic movements, foot movements. One is tenkan, which means turn, which is when you blend and you um, become one with the person and you learn to understand their perspective through a movement. Mm -hmm. And then there's another one called janarini when you enter and you try to, um, it's, it's um, a more decisive moment where rather than kind of, okay, let's do this together is, you know, you kind of need to see this from a different perspective. You're, you're uh, behaving in an unwise way. Here. Mm. The, the idea being that any attack in Aikido comes from a place of suffering and that no one would ever ag be aggressive and attacking if they weren't suffering. Right. And so what we want to do is teach them that violence is self-destructive without destroying them. So with compassion for their suffering, helping them recognize, you know, if you act out this way with your suffering, um, you could get very badly hurt or you could cut yourself off from your humanity by hurting someone else. And so there are all different ways in Aikido that we, that we share this with the person. And it's about connecting and blending and bringing them into our hearts. Really. Oh, and I think the, the disconnect from humanity is so key right now, teaching people, because it can be, um, if the like, connection to humanity isn't, really prominent in society, it can be easy to lose it or to learn how to, to lose it. Um, and I just think, you know, the fact that there's war still going on, that's part of us being like, oh, okay, that's part of life, but it doesn't have to be. Which well, that, yeah, yeah. And that's the whole purpose of Aikido is to um, heal the world of aggression. 
And one of the lines um, in my book, trailer, is um, that the a world of peace and justice may always be out of reach, but if we follow the teachings of Aikido, aspiration will always light the path. Hmm. So Aikido teaches us to recognize that our natural state is a state of love. Our natural state is a state of connection. Separation, war, aggression, rage, these things are not our natural state. They come from suffering. Yeah. No matter what it is. Go ahead, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, yeah. Well, I was wondering too, if uh, if it gave you a different perspective on the people that were hurtful towards you, whether it was in school or family or life, to see it as them reacting or expressing their pain, even though I'm not giving them an excuse, right. I'm wondering if it uh, that let you see it in a different light. Yes, that's a wonderful question. And I write about that in my book as well. So what I realized when I learned this uh, movement, Kencon, the first time I moved it, my learned it, my professor, um, Leslie Russick, who was then now Leslie Sensei, my instructor, um, she said, when we do this movement, it's the first movement you learn in Aikido, it's the Tatadori Tenkan, and you grab, someone grabs your wrist and then you do a step, and a, a step back next to them. So you end up standing next to them. And she said, you're, learning to see the world from this person's perspective. You're saying, isn't that interesting? And it's a, con it's a conversation, not a, content, mm -hmm. not a contest. And what I realized is that the people in my program were really scared of not learning what they needed to learn. They were scared that they weren't gonna make it. And they were scared that this kind of awkward um, person who didn't have together, who really didn't have, which is true, I didn't have the, um, mental capacity to be there. It's just not my jam. I'm a therapist now. Um, so what's going to cut, um, you know, make their lives not happen. And the other thing I realized is that the people in my program in particular couldn't abide the fact that they might have places of confidence in their life. Right. Everyone's got their Right. <laughs> so they look at me and they say this, see this incompetent, awkward person with really no social skills and no, no ability to manage the material. And they see without even realizing it, there's a level of fear. What if there's a place, there's a place like that in me. And so they're looking at, and anytime you look at someone and you hate what you see, you're hating a part of yourself. We learned that in Aikido. Anytime you look at someone and you love what you're saying, you're loving a part of yourself. And we learned that in Aikido. Hmm. And so in my, in my interactions with these people, they're looking at me and they're seeing something that they are scared of and that something is part of themselves. So what do we do when we see things that are scared of? Unless you are an Aikidoka or an Aikidoist as we call ourselves. If you're scared of something in our society, you try to destroy it or you run from it. Not so in Aikido. If you are scared of something, you accept it into your heart and you redirect it and you turn it into an act, to, act of love. How powerful. You transmute it. Right, exactly. So that's how I learned that. And I said, okay. They looked at me and they saw their own fear, their own fear of failure. That's whether it's a, a physical therapy or relationships or anything else they haven't mastered in their lives. Um, that's what they looked at me and they saw and they scared them out of their minds and they you know that it caused them to be aggressive and, and mean and that's the root of all bullying too is um fear it's like 
I don't want to be like you. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to hurt you before you can hurt me. I'm going to, I'm going to get rid of that part of myself that, um, that is, that is afraid and is incompetent and is awkward and uh, weird even. Um, And so that's what happens. That's why people uh, are aggressive is because they can't stand the fact that they're the possibility of this part of themselves that they may not be they might not like or that may not be perfect and that's why we have to cut each other a lot of slack yeah and it's almost i kind of see people who are getting bullied or are um victims of you know race crimes or uh you know have horrible things like that happen to them it's almost like instead of them seeing instead of seeing them as a victim they're they're almost like catalyst for the shadow side or for other people to be their shadow side it's like if you look at it in that light even though what's happening is not again not excusable but that person is actually activating something very powerful that can be used in such a great way Right. Um, right right No, I, I completely agree. And that's the thing about Aikido is we have to, we have to see the best in each other. We're looking at, you know, and it's an ugly time and it has been for a while. Um, and it's so important to just reach deep in and say, how can I see the best in this person? Where is this person suffering? Looking, and that's one of the reasons I became a therapist also which is the next step in my journey. Oh, <laughs> what a journey. Before we get to there, do you have any uh, advice for people who maybe go- experience mental health issues and maybe don't know what's going on? Like what helped you or any advice? For- well, um, what helped me is I had what a lot of people don't have, which is family support. That's what helped me. Um, there's a lot of, problems with the mental health system. People are objectified, um, over-medicated, not heard. Um, or maybe even lack of resources. Where do you right. sometimes? Lack of resources. I, um, I worked in community mental health for a while. Um, of course, I was in the hospital for a while, a few times actually. And the sad, the sad truth of it is, is there's not a lot of resources you have to try to find people that you trust who are going to come through for you. And it is not easy. That's a great podcast someday about it's not easy for the person on the other side to say, I'm going to stick with you through this. And that's what I had. I had people who just got in there with me and didn't go away. Oh, that's great. And yeah, so that's, that was my, that's what saved me. And then what allowed me to live and have a life, what allowed me to live and be saved and live to have a life was my family. And then what allowed me to grow and have a life as, and be really involved with life um, and grow as a person and claim my own power, that was Aikido. Well then also, but giving yourself some credit too, because you will, you, with getting help from other people, you have to there's like a vulnerability in that you like, you do have to trust and trusting others to, to help you can be like a huge step. It can be hard too. It can be hard to be like, I, I need help. Like, I don't know what's going on. I need help. 
Yep. And I, I recommend that people really try to um, not isolate. If I'm going to give one bit of advice, if there are people listening who struggle with severe mental health issues, don't isolate. Don't isolate. Find people. There are people out there who want to help, even if you feel alone. Um, that's, that's the biggest thing. And it, it's easy to say, right? Because if you're depressed, that's what you want to do. All you mm -hmm. want to do is isolate. You don't, you don't believe anybody wants to help you. Yeah. You know, and so I understand that. And I just am here to say that um, the other thing, this is also easy to say, but the other thing that saved me was I didn't give up. And mm -hmm. that's mm -hmm. what I recommend is don't give up. You don't know what the next, what's coming around the corner. You don't know what your next opportunity is. Don't give up. And the other thing I would say is life is not, necessarily the same today as it's going to be tomorrow right the unexpected doesn't always have to be bad it can actually right. be good as right. well. there's lots of uh options <laughs> right so that and i do believe and not everyone agrees with this but i do believe that hope is um natural for us that we can't help it sort of even as as hopeless as we can feel if we're still alive if we still have our last breath we still have hope it's just, it seems to be in our DNA. Yeah. Um, and even, even in the most dire, dire circumstances. So you can, I mean, it can be crushed. It can, it can go out, but I think in general, for the most part, it is all, it takes a lot to snuff hope out of a human being. So don't give up. Um, don't isolate. Beautiful. Thank you so much. And then also kind of on a, well, on a different side of it did you, anything that you learned in aikido any of those skills help you or um, contribute to your writing style well yes um i has a, I have a pretty lyrical writing style and also i re i realized when i wrote the book that the the rhythms of the movements and of the uh, teachings really found their way into the language Oh, beautiful, wonderful. I kind of think of Langston Hughes when you say that because he had a very lyrical um, style of writing uh, and tempo and beats were right. through it, but that's that's so cool. Yeah, so it's kind of, it, and I think that uh, the real answer to that is that the practice is so inspiring and it's inspired me so, I've been training now for, um, since 2000 hmm. and, um, the practice is so profoundly inspiring. The movement is in me. The practice is in me and the teachings are in me. And so I took all of that that's in me and I manifested that in the language. And that makes really, a lot of sense. That's, that really expresses it so that the language is doing Aikido. When you read it, the, the words are doing Aikido. It's like you absorbed it all and that like you can't help but express it. Right. So, um, <laughs> So yeah, so the answer to that question is that's how that that's how that emerged. Yeah. And I mean, I just love how you are are like you're expressing and channeling all those the lessons that you've learned and the uh, experiences that you've had. You're you wrote a book and now you're be are you are a therapist now? Yeah, I've been a therapist for five years almost. Okay. So you're get I mean, you're you're helping others like learn 
and I'm sorry, my words are getting jumbled up. You're helping others from what you experienced in life. You know, you it's it's just in both ways by writing it's such a gift to people and then also by being there and being present with someone in a non-judgmental way can be super powerful yeah and that's that's what happened is that that's aikido brought me to become a therapist it, when i got my black belt i got my black belt in 2011 and that was a big um it's a big undertaking which is described in detail in the book congratulations and, um, I mean, I don't know anything uh, about it, but I, I, I know black. <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, and then it was, it was the pinnacle. It was the pinnacle for me. It was Mount Everest. It was everything that I thought I couldn't, I couldn't achieve. And so after that, it was like, well, what's next? Do I go back to class and sharpen my Tenkan or, and improve my technique? Or do I step out into the world and do something else? And um, so I decided to the first thing I did was I went and I found a job in a peer program, a peer support program where people who struggle with mental illness um, or who have acknowledged experiences with mental um, challenges um, go out into the community. It was a crisis intervention program and sort of be with others who are struggling and use their mm -hmm. experience to support them and bring them out and very powerful, but it was not the last stop for me. So, and then after that, I went to become a therapist. And of course I use my Aikido in my therapy. I was wondering about that. It sounds like it, it, I mean, it was so therapeutic for you experiencing it. I was wondering if you integrate that. Oh, totally. I mean, sometimes I, I even talk about it, you know, I'll just, I'll just help people frame their experiences through Aikido and it can be very, very powerful for them if they, if that's something that, that um, speaks to them. So yeah, I use, I became a therapist because it's like, you get to do Aikido all day. You just happen to be sitting in a chair. It's mental Aikido. Yeah. And it's emotional Aikido because you're, you're um, bringing someone into your own heart. Therapy is about heart. It's about connection. It's not just about sitting there and, you know, kind of being quiet and letting someone talk. It's to me, even cause you may do that. I have been known to just sit and be quiet and sometimes people just want to talk but it's the way you sit there <laughs> you know, right it's, it's the connection and it's the seeing people as full positive people full of potential and the capacity to love and be loved and also the um as you're describing aikido like learning how to harmonize i mean i Essentially, I think that's what's happening in therapy too, or people coming in with inner conflicts that you're right. being to teach them how to har inner harmonize themselves. Right, right, exactly. And that's what Aikido did for me. It took all those inner conflicts, all that suffering, all that pain, and re um, helped me kind of reconstitute it so that it became a place of healing. Aikido healed me. It healed me. It saved my life. I mean, none of us are all healed, but it healed me to the point where I could live a life where I could be happy. And I would not have found happiness without Aikido. I really believe that. That's, that's really, really wonderful. And I wonder if, um, uh, if people, if, I don't know if you have to have studies to do this to, but it sounds like it would be great if that was offered in like uh psychiatric programs anyway if i could you know yeah a keto would be a wonderful that it, it would be 
now you have me thinking. Um, but yeah, I think it would be wonderful to offer it in, um, in, in psychiatric programs and teach people how to connect with themselves. I mean, they're doing all these studies on meditation and seeing, you know, showing how that's super beneficial to the brain. I mean, Aikido, it sounds like, you know, and then just being able to move and, and I mean, the, the fact that you said it helped clear your mind says so much. Right. <laughs> I'm wondering too, if you, any, yeah, I'll go off on a tangent because I'm like, I'm wondering if it'll help decrease medication as well. Not that medication is always bad, but, you know, I know that it can, like you, it, you can be over-medicated. You can be over-medicated and there are a lot of things that can help decrease medication that are a lot less expensive than medication, uh, much more supportive of the human spirit. Yeah. And it is likely that Aikido is one of them. Now you have me thinking. Um, yeah, so, a powerful tool that, that could be yes. utilized in a lot of- Aikido is a powerful tool. Aikido is a powerful tool. Um, it has a lot of, it has a lot of um, potential to heal the world, I think. And we get very, um, you know, I mean, in dojos are very creative in terms of outreach and do all kinds of things. And I think there's more we can do. I think we can take it into the community in a very healing way. And I, I want to see the principles of Aikido support our world and transform our world. And that was the vision. That was the vision of our founder. Oh. <laughs> He says that many times in his in his writings and his or his the compilations of his of his talks. So I think that's super important too because there are a lot of like whether it's a business or um, just living your life. There's an the intention matters. What would you say your intention is today? Um, my intention is to be a really good person and to really be kind and to help other people um, heal themselves and find peace and find peace in my own heart. That is truly my intention. I can say that with a hundred percent. And um, it's being manifested again, through the book, through the being the therapist. Also, I think you're the way that you've been able to um, transform. I don't even know if transform is the right word, but you allowed yourself to go through the different uh, programs. And you're like, okay, I did, you know, I did the dancing, I did the writing, I did the physical therapy. I, you know, you've had a lot of different roles in your life and you allow, you're open to change, it sounds like, and, and kind of feeling things out, uh, which I think is uh, a powerful thing to have as well. Because so many people can get stuck in like, no, this is my role. This is the way things are. And it, I mean, a lot of creativity and a lot of artists have to, uh, just in the process, they have to uh, be okay with things not working out and starting all over again. And yes, <laughs> yes. That, that definitely was a saving grace. That was a strength that I had from the beginning. I'm a very tenacious person. And not everybody has the kind of resilience that I have. It's actually genetic. And you can, um, you can buttress the genes by having supports. This has mm. been studied where there's a resilience gene. Some people have it and some people need some help to sort of turn it on and it, it can get turned on. Like with that one supportive adult, you start uh, to build resilience. It's, it's wild. I learned this in graduate school. It's wild. And that's the hopeful part, right? Like even yeah. if 
don't naturally have it on, it can be turned on. <laughs> it can be turned on because we're naturally here to help each other. That is why we're here. And we're here to help each other, period. That's the end of discussion. I, um, we're here for compassion and we're here to help each other grow and connect and find our, our beauty, our oneness, our inner light. That is our whole purpose and help each other suffer less, help each other find happiness. So that's what I believe. And so if you, if you have that resilience gene, then you can be more in a position to help others. If you happen not to, then other people can get in there with you and help you until you can sort of pass that forward. Yeah, it is, you can't do it alone at, at all. <laughs> no, no we're, in, we're here to be in this together. We are in this together. This is a very, very difficult experience to be human on earth. It is, it is very, very trying. It tests that we're tested every day, you know, every day we're tested. And our only hope is to um, care for one another and connect with one another. And Aikido teaches you this. I'm always blown away too um, by the time, the times in my life where I let my guards down and I do just have like a heart connection with someone. I'm always blown away by, by the unexpected experience that happens whether it's the way the other person reacts, like it's usually not at all how I thought they would react or feared they right. would react. It's yes. such a more beautiful way. Yes, we surprise each other all the time. We are full of surprises. You cannot predict what's going to happen next in your life. And I loved what you said about being flexible. I loved that. And Aikido teaches that too, because every moment is new. Every moment is different, right? Nothing... Nothing in Aikido, Aikido happens the same way twice. Nothing. <laughs> Everything is always different, a little bit different. And, um, and so it teaches nuance. It teaches flexibility. And that's what we need. We need tenacity and we need flexibility. And learning tenacity and flexibility is something we have to learn from each other. Mm. You know, people think, oh, we're individuals out there. Well, you have to have your individuality, but you also have to not be alone. So respecting our individual differences and respecting our individual potential, but supporting each other and manifesting that. To me, that's, that's the secret to life. And that is what Aikido is. Beautiful. And, and uh, again, it's great that you're bringing, I can't wait to uh, see your book out on the 28th. And it's the 28th of this month, right? You said it's, it's the, 20, the 26th of April. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm just okay. it all wrong. <laughs> <laughs> the 26th of April my book will be out yes and it can be got on gotten on my website which you will which is rachelklingauthor.com and then I of course will put that in the in the links when this comes out and then and it's called again my walk on the Aikido path a healing journey of self discovery discovery <laughs> <laughs> oh I don't know what I, okay yes and then um I think that word discovery is is also super meaningful too because if you don't look at it as discovery, if you look at it as a lot of people do as failing or succeeding, then that can be the the point where you just are in pain all the time. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. Everything is a way of is an unfolding. Everything is an unfolding, and that is something I've been very lucky in just my kind of emotional constitution that for me, everything has been a discovery. Everything has been an unfolding. I've been unwilling 
to give up, you know, and so everything is a learning for me. And that's, um, I just, I, I think you put it perfectly that you, if you don't see things as a discovery, if you don't, if you aren't, if you don't get curious about yourself and your own process, then you stay stuck and you think life is just this and it makes you miserable and makes you act out right? and hurt other people because you just can't, you can't get out of the, out of your own head and things are just, things can't change. It's when things can't change for you that you end up, um, you end up wanting to bring other people down. Yeah. Because you're already doing it to yourself. So it's right. automatically exactly. going to be expressed though. Exactly. Exactly. Isolation. Those are the things that cause us to hurt other people's a sense of isolation, a sense of anger, a sense that we're alone in the world. Um, and yeah, I think, I think, and a sense of being disconnected from other people. So when we feel disconnected and we feel there's only one thing, you know, or we get very um, intense about this, things have to be the right way, right? A certain way. Then when they're not that way, we feel disconnected. Right. And then we suffer because suffering is the result of disconnection. I believe that. And I think Aikido teaches that lesson as well. Suffering is the result of disconnection. When you connect, you, you, find, you find love, you find warmth, you find empathy. And when you're disconnected, you, you find isolation and fear. Mm. And when you find fear, where there's fear, there's pain for other people as well right. as yourself. Right. And fear can control you. Whereas if you're more connected and more present, then you're less um, able or you're, I'm guessing you're less likely to just conform out of just pure obedience or unconscious obedience right. and more likely to act in a more authentic, genuine way. Absolutely. 100%. Another lesson of Aikido. You know, people can contact me through my website. I'm always happy to help people find an Aikido dojo that's nice. near them. Um, if anyone is listening, is interested in Aikido, they should contact me through my website and I will help them find a dojo. Help find. Okay, great. And uh, we're running out of time. So I wanted to go over the questions about creativity, but before we do, was there anything else you wanted to mention that you haven't been able to or forgot? <laughs> I, I am delighted at how much I've been able to talk about Aikido today. It's just, <laughs> it's just been wonderful. And I have appreciated your curiosity about the practice. Oh, cool. Great. Yes. You really light up when you do talk about it. It's great to, I know it'll be verbal, but I bet people can hear it in your voice. The light just coming out. <laughs> <laughs> um, for what is creativity? I don't think I got an answer. What would your answer be for what is creativity? Oh, what is creativity? Um, creativity is anything that comes from the authentic self. Mm. Anything at all, a conversation that you're having, um, a walk that you're taking. We are inherently creative beings. In fact, that's all we are. We're creators in inherently. And mm. so if we're doing something where we are fully with ourselves, whatever is coming out of us, is creative. And then there's art. Art and creativity are kind of different. You need to be creative to do art, but we're inherently creative. So it's yeah. whenever you're truly connected with yourself and being yourself, you're being creative. I love that answer. There's a guy that I like to listen to from time to time called Lee Harris. And he is like, he paints, he writes, he sings, but he doesn't call himself like, uh, he doesn't box. He calls himself a creator. Like that's it. Right. 
I'm a creator. And I just love that. And it sounds like you're echoing that as well. <laughs> um, what do you love about creativity? You said, I love the writing process. I love metaphor, turning a phrase just right to capture a feeling or image and bringing life to detail. Was there anything else you wanted to say about that or how? That really sums it up. I'm surprised at how, <laughs> how uh, sort of exhaustive, exhaustive that is. That's, that's what I love about writing. You know, I really have a knack for it. And I just love taking light, taking the world, taking our experiences and bringing them to life. And I have a lot of um, ability to work with detail in a pretty skilled way. And so I just like making, making life jump off the page. Very cool. And do you find actually I've, I've talked to other people who write and they say that um, at least so far, the people that I've talked to that they even though they write in a visual manner, it's hard for them to visualize things in their head. Are you similar or is your process different? Um, I don't know quite the answer to that. I think it goes back and forth. I think it's different on different days. Oh, OK. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then what do you hate about creativity you said writer's block yes I hate writer's block um and I'll add to that I hate writing badly oh. <laughs> which definitely happens with you know I, which of course happens most of the time that's you know um one percent inspiration 99 percent uh as uh, perspiration right. so for every good word you're writing, you're writing a thousand bad words. And that's really hard, but the the um, the outcome is so rewarding when you get it right. Yeah. And then where I said, ask, what do you, or I'm sorry, where is your creativity? You said, I'm a writer. Uh, and I was wondering, do you still feel like that's where you're, like, is it only through writing? Well, I think, um, I think I have to be very creative in the consulting room everybody's different right so I'm yeah. constantly creating I'm constantly being flexible I'm constantly trying to meet people where they're at that takes a lot of creativity being a good therapist takes an enormous amount of creativity thinking flexibly thinking on your feet trying to take um, a situation and see it in all kinds of different ways to help someone resolve their issues so I, I express a lot of creativity in the as a therapist which is good since I do it a lot and so I would say I don't dance anymore, but and Aikido, of course, is a creative act. Yeah. Um, and we're getting very creative on Zoom as Aikidoka since we um, train together and it is a partner practice. I don't know that anybody quite knew what we were going to do, but it just exploded. People all over the world are doing Aikido on Zoom. Um, so, yeah, and also I would say that I try really hard to be present in my life. And whenever you're present, you're being creative, even if yeah. you don't know exactly what you're doing. And I try to also be creative in my interactions with people. But my outlet for creativity, I would say, is my writing and my therapy practice, which is good because those are basically the only two things I do besides Aikido. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for being on the show. I really enjoyed the conversation. And again, for anyone listening, you can find her at Rachel Kling author com and her book will be out April 26th which you can find on her website and she will help you find Aikido's uh dojos is that what they're called yes dojos I will help anyone who wants to find an Aikido dojo I will help them find them <laughs> thank you thank you thank you
And again, that is Rachel Kling, and you can find her at Rachel Kling, K-L-I-N-G-A-U-T-H-O-R.com. And that is where you can find her book, My Walk on the Aikido Path, A Healing Journey of Self-Discovery, as well as ways to contact her about Aikido and uh, contact her on social media. I am so grateful for this conversation that we had today. She's shown, she's shown, she shined a light on topics that aren't discussed, I think, enough, such as psychosis and uh, bullying uh, from other adults as an adult. So thank you again, Rachel Kling, for talking about those and also the wonderful advice you gave. And without further ado, this is the end of our show today, and I will see you next week.